Welcome, listeners. Please be advised, the content of this podcast is sexual in nature. So if that makes you uncomfortable or you have little ones listening, here's your heads up to hit pause. Also, please note, Amy is not a doctor. Please make sure you always seek professional medical counsel if you are experiencing any sexually related symptoms that are distressing or painful. I'm Amy Nasseri, and welcome back to the Orgasm Lab and to part two of my orgasm journey. Where did we leave off? Um, I think it was here. If sex was something that I couldn't enjoy, if it was the root cause of a whole host of baggage and it was the last thing standing in my way of being happy, maybe what I needed to do was just let it go. In my head, I was becoming more and more committed to this idea of never having sex again. I was getting everything I needed. I was actually perfectly happy without it. So let's just not have sex anymore. On a sunny day, (laughs) actually, yes, I do remember that. I asked my husband of 11 years if we could stop having sex. And what did he say? The (laughs) married phase pre-orgasm, you came to the decision of not wanting to have sex anymore. Back then, you made that, you, you wanted to make that, you made that decision for you and then we talked about it and then so you we you know we had that decision yeah basically <laughs> that sounded a lot like you you made the decision well it's true i did but and, nev- I mean, nev- nevertheless what can you say at that point i'm wondering whether no woman exactly it <laughs> was what? never really a part of our life frankly no it wasn't but you were actually fully aware that i wasn't 100% present and you were thinking well, yes it was pretty obvious I mean, when you start crying at certain points, <laughs> oh, you start you start to sorry. ask you start to ask yourself you start to be a bit aware of you know <laughs> the situation. Yeah. Um I think going back to your question, how did it feel for me? There's an element of it being liberating as well. Because because you felt better about it, and because you felt better about it, that meant that, you know, that negative component of our relationship was starting to diminish. He was right. I did feel better. And you want to know why? Can you imagine how nice it was to be able to have any kind of hug or snuggle that I wanted without the pressure of sex? I knew that this would end at some point. I mean, it wouldn't be fair to my husband to go on like this forever. But for the time being, this was heaven. Poor guy had no idea what he was getting into when he married me. About nine months later, my husband's job offered him a position in New York. We decided to jump on it. 
so we packed our things and moved. We'd been living in New York for about six months when my husband started to drop little hints about how he wanted to maybe bring this sexy back into the bedroom. I mean, I had to give it to him. He'd lasted a really long time. I'm talking like a year and a half. I mean, that's some hardcore love right there. Now, I was not thrilled about having sex again, but I started thinking maybe I should try just one last time to see if I can find someone to help me with my problems. Later that day, I was talking to a friend. She was telling me how grateful she was to be living in New York because of the specialist care she could receive. And a light bulb went off in my head. I'm living in New York. If I was going to give myself the best chance, it would be here with the elite specialists in every field just down the road. And this is where things start to get exciting. I started to do some research. I looked up sexual health professionals, doctors who specialized in orgasm problems, orgasm dysfunction, inability to become aroused, you name it. And after a little research, I came across a clinic that specializes in female sexuality in Midtown Manhattan. It is a clinic run by women for women. I had never seen a place like this before. The homepage description said, and I I will never forget this, (laughs) the only thing harder than discussing your sexual health issues is living with them. Yes! Yes! They claim to treat low sex drive, painful sex, hormonal imbalances, vaginismus, and much more. The clinic is called Maze, Maze Women's Sexual Health Clinic. Don't worry, I will keep all of these kind of details and tidbits in the podcast description. I made an appointment. There was a lovely receptionist there and she told me to sit down for a little bit because I needed to fill out a questionnaire. It was a fairly decent sized questionnaire too, actually. I was like, uh-huh, this is, um, is going to take me a little bit. And then I started to read the questions that they were asking me. And I was stunned. Let me say that again. I was stunned because I was reading questions that had never been asked of me before. Let me share some of the questions that I was being asked. And I want you to ask yourself, have you ever been asked this by a doctor? Okay, here's one. Over the past four weeks, how would you rate your level of sexual desire or interest? Very high, high, moderate, low, very low, or not at all? And I'm like, none at all. They go on to say that sexual arousal is a feeling that includes both physical and mental aspects of sexual excitement. It may include feelings of warmth or tingling in the genitals, 
lubrication, wetness or muscle contractions. Therefore, over the past four weeks, how often did you feel sexually aroused or turned on during sexual activity or intercourse? Almost always, always, most of the time, sometimes, half the time, a few times, less than half of the time, almost never or never. Of course, I'm circling never. Over the past four weeks, how would you rate your level of sexual arousal during sexual activity or intercourse? My response, none at all. Over the past four weeks, how confident were you about becoming sexually aroused during sexual activity or intercourse? I circled, not confident. How often did you become lubricated or wet during sexual activity or intercourse? I circled, almost never slash never. Over the past four weeks, when you had sexual stimulation or intercourse, how often did you reach orgasm or climax? Aha! (laughs) This one's easy. Never! When you had sexual stimulation or intercourse, how difficult was it for you to reach orgasm? This time they gave the option of impossible. And I was like, yep, that's the one. Over the past four weeks, how satisfied were you with your ability to reach orgasm? Thank you. Yes, I'll take A, B, C, D, E, F. Yes, I'll take F. That one. Extremely dissatisfied. And there were still more questions. How often did you experience discomfort or pain during vaginal penetration? How often did you experience discomfort or pain following vaginal penetration? How would you rate your overall level or degree of discomfort or pain during or following vaginal penetration? Even though I was answering in the negative to all of these questions, I was excited because all of a sudden, I felt like I was being asked the right questions. Soon after, I went into a room and I was met by two extremely lovely ladies. And then, of course, they asked... Why was I there? And I said, well, I've (laughs) never had an orgasm. I'm married. I have children. I love my husband, but I don't want to have sex anymore. It feels like we've tried so many things and nothing's worked. I've tried vibrators, different lubes, oral sex. The same thing always happens. Nothing. The other thing is that when I touch my labia or my clitoris, if it gets stimulated in any way, it doesn't seem like they're able to feel the way I think they should be feeling, which is pleasurable. All of it literally feels the same as rubbing the back of my hand. We are not having much sex at all, maybe four times or less a year. And then about a year and a half ago, we stopped having sex altogether. These lovely women listened intently. I told you my story then without crying. But when I told them, I cried the whole way through this story. You know, sitting there talking with them, it dawned on me just how hard and exhausting this journey had been. When I finished, they told me a little bit about their approach at the clinic and they explained that they were led by a doctor who emphasised the need to keep up to date with 
the latest science and research on female sexual issues. And I was like, yes. That's me, slow motion, running down the beach, tears streaming down my eyes. They said that they tackled these problems from as many angles as possible. They had a team of doctors and experts all working together on each case. So, first they said they wanted me to do a full blood workup. A physical exam, gynecological exam, sessions with their sex therapist to really get the down low on everything and anything that could be standing in the way of my ability to orgasm. What was cool about this place was all the different doctors and expertise needed for all of these exams were all in the one place. And they're all women. I had my gyno exam in one room across the hall. I had my blood taken in another. I had sex therapy down the hall. And each woman that I met with reiterated what had been said in my initial consult. That they were there to figure out why I wasn't able to feel aroused or orgasm. And to help fix that to the best of their ability, no matter how long it took. It was amazing having my concerns being taken so seriously. None of the things that I brought up were dismissed or thought of as being silly. Friends, this is how it should be. I left feeling like I had my own personal orgasm cheer squad. (laughs) I was asked to come back two weeks later, once they had collated all of my results. So two weeks later, I returned, and it was going to go one of two ways that day, and I was stealing myself for the news that nothing would change. I entered the consult room, and my orgasm angels were waiting for me. That's how, <laughs> that's how I like to think of them now. Charlie's angels, but way better. And they said that my results suggested that I was in good shape. My gyno exam came back completely normal. I had scar tissue left over from the birth of my son, but they didn't think that this had anything to do with my orgasm issue. My regular blood results came back normal. My sex therapy session indicated that there didn't seem to be any massive mental hurdles to get over, which can definitely be the case for a lot of women who have dealt with things like sexual abuse issues, for instance. Okay, great. I'm bloody perfect. Here we go. But then, and this really happened, (laughs) they looked at each other and smiled. And then they said, we've left the best results for last. And I was like, what? Okay, we're going to pause the story here until the next episode. Why? Because there is a lot of information about to come your way. So I decided to break it up into smaller chunks so that you guys can take it in, in smaller doses, without being overwhelmed. In the next episode, 
I'm going to talk about a medication that millions of us take and the effects that it can have on our sexual functioning. In the episode following that, you're going to hear how the latest science and research led these experts to find a deficiency that I have that plays a critical role in the ability to feel aroused and orgasm. Thanks for listening, guys. Special thanks to my editor, Laura Pierce, to my voiceover lady, Tally Gale, and also to Andrea Whitkins for her music. Find her on Spotify. Better.